0: Peter Thompson on 103.3 FM here in Ketaluma. morning, Janice. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How
1: about you? It's
0: good. It's a good day. It's an umbrella
1: day.
0: Is it is an umbrella day. Yeah.
1: I'm actually nice
0: and warm in my house.
1: <laughs> so, it's a good day. So, yeah. so do you have nice. anything exciting happening your week? With your week?
0: Not much. I mean, lot's happened, but I wouldn't call it exciting. I
1: had a general plan meeting last night, and it was really interesting, you know, talking about different land uses. And then, you know, yesterday, Brian Barnicle, or a, um had an article in the Press, in the Argus Courier, an op-ed, talking about the fairgrounds, and he really gave a great vision, and it kind of tied into the discussion last night with the general plan, when you're looking at lands in the Corona Reach, which is a flooding, flooding area north of the Balsar Bridge, um, you know, you could really do a lot of interesting things as agriculture in Sonoma County is starting to change, you could almost take that land and do a farm to table and tie it in with the fairgrounds with a vision to, you know, change what farming is from today and looking into the future. And so there I think there's a lot of good opportunities instead of building in floodplains, we can start maybe farming in the floodplains and tying it together with agriculture in twenty twenty two in the future. So it was an interesting discussion. And I hope we have more of a discussion because, you know, as we know, flooding will always continue in Petaluma, north and south and the entire corridor of our river
0: or a slew, whatever we want yeah. say. Yeah, it's really a slew. Yeah, well, as long as there's rain and tides, that's going to happen. That's yeah. right.
1: And so it was kind of interesting to hear somebody, it wasn't just me that brought this up, that so had already been discussed, maybe at the staff level. So people are really thinking ahead. Climate change is so important and everything that's changing and how we can really incorporate that in within a general plan. But the interesting thing is I think some members of the general plan don't realize it's called a general plan for a reason. And it's, it's very general and it can be manipulated and shifted as we've known for a long time because our past general plan was known as this great document, but yet so much was not implemented. And so, so it's exciting. So I just want to give a shout out to Brian Barnacle for a very good um, op-ed and, and his leadership as a council member. I look at him as a bulldog because sometimes he gets pushed down and he keeps coming back and I like that in the leader.
0: Yeah, we need more of that. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anything else before we get started? No, I'm ready to start. We're ready to start. Yeah. Yeah. Big show today. A lot lot to talk about. Uh, today we have with us uh, Will Carruthers and Peter Byrne, who are journalists for the North Bay Bohemian and the Pacific Sun. Good morning. Howdy. Morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, Will, it's your first time. Peter's been with us before. Um, and uh, wow, lots to talk about, uh, especially around the two articles that came out recently, uh, in the Bohemian, and for the listeners, you can go to the KPCA Inside Petaluma Facebook page, and those links are posted there if you would like to uh, take a look at those. In the meantime, um, uh, we're talking about a property uh, which is referred to as the North River Apartments uh, between Water Street and um, Petaluma Boulevard North. Which is at the base of Oak Street. And uh, your articles talk about the acquisition of that property, which is uh, what we'd kind of like to start with. Um, would one of you like to give us a summary of, of how that occurred?
2: Well, sure, yeah. Um, so it's a two part series, essentially. Um, covering how uh, two owners of the press, Democrat, and and most of the other print media in Sonoma County um, leveraged their positions to to work on rail politics in the North Bay. And one of the things that happened was, um, you know, Darius Anderson and Doug Bosco, two owners of the Sonoma Media Investments, um, worked on the sale of rail easements owned by two public agencies, uh, SMART and this other agency called the North Coast Railroad Authority. Um, and essentially they, they wound up selling the rail easements for um, $2.4 million, um, and then the the essentially if you have a rail, in this case a rail spur, on a property, you, you can't really develop the property um, until you clear that because, um, you know, it, it, the, the rail companies have rights to it, um, certain rights to it. Uh, so in this case they, they spent $2.4 million on the easements and then ultimately bought the property uh, from Poppy Bank for $2.1 million. Um, so this is kind of one example of um, of them leveraging their access and then not reporting on it in the papers.
3: Um. In other words, they paid more for the rights to tear up 560 feet of unused, rotten, disintegrating railroad tracks. They paid more for that than they paid for the entire property.
1: So, so you're saying, that it was Anderson and Doug Bosco that purchased the property through pa- Poppy Bank first, before?
3: No. No.
2: I can get into the background of okay. it. Um, so essentially the property was owned by Poppy Bank, which obtained it um, out of bankruptcy um, in 2011 or 2012. Um, and I can back up a bit and give, give some background. Essentially um, there's this freight agency called the North Coast Railroad Authority which owns um, about 300 miles of freight rail running um, through the North Bay uh, all the way up to Humboldt and they run across a lot of the same lines that Smart owns um, in Sonoma and Marin counties. Um, so essentially what happened here is that Anderson is one of the owners of the Press Democrat. He's an influential uh, state and federal lobbyist who owns a firm called Platinum Advisors. Um, and in 2015, Smart hired his firm to uh, lobby for Smart in Sacramento. Um, and Peter and I obtained emails that showed that he, he did a lot of the work that was outside of um, state level lobbying, including this real estate deal. Um, on the other side was Doug Bosco, who owns a company uh, called Northwestern Pacific Railroad Company that entered sort of a convoluted um, relationship with the North Coast Railroad Authority. Essentially, the NCRA wound up owing uh, millions of dollars to NWP. And what happened in this deal and is that NCRA actually owned the property, it's publicly owned, or... or sorry, the rail easement on Poppy Bank's property, Um, but they signed a contract with NWP allowing Bosco's company to negotiate the um, sale of the easements and in return, uh, Bosco's company was paid uh, some $300,000 by the NCRA or paid, the am paid down a debt to uh, NWP, uh, essentially for their work on the easement sale.
3: Something I interject into here, if you don't mind. Um, You know, this work did a really great job. You bylined the story, I edited it, but he did the heavy lifting on it. Uh, You know, it's like, At least 6,000 words, and it's a very complex and convoluted story to tell. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so interesting. I mean, we throw around these acronyms like NWP and NCRA and talk about, you know, platinum advisors and groups that are actually very important to our existence as human beings on the planet that we've never heard of uh, because we don't know about them. And one of the reasons we don't know about them is because the local media doesn't talk about them. But the Importance of this story is that it's a really deep dive based on public records and um, interviews with people. Uh, the, uh, all the facts in it are, are indisputably true; nobody has challenged them. That really exposes something people have only kind of gotten a whiff of over the past 15 years, which is we all know that there's a railroad track that runs from Larkspur up to, you know, Humboldt and has various iterations inside Petaluma, mostly, you know, kind of collapsing and stuff. And we know about Smart, you know, which runs the passenger trains um, and revitalized a lot of this railroad. Um, uh, but we don't know about the, the freight line, you know, uh, and we don't know about it because It's really an obscure type of operation that arguably was set up to enrich people that were um, in the know about it and were operating basically uh, out of the sight of the public for the most part uh, with a way that they could game the system to enrich themselves uh, in a way that has been really harmful to the public interest. You know, we could actually use a good freight train running around, you know, Uh, this 300 miles of track because uh, a good train replaces um, trucks, you know. Uh, Now, there's a lot of problems with, you know, making that financially feasible. Uh, But Bosco is a former congressperson who was Darius Anderson's mentor back in the 90s. Anderson was his intern or driver, and uh, due to his connection to Bosco, Anderson became uh, partnered with a uh, Ron Burkle, who's a billionaire private equity uh, supermarket owner in Southern California. And together they've made like, a real estate empire that's doing things like developing Treasure Island in San Francisco Bay. Uh, and they're also... Uh, Burkle uh, basically is a major investor in Darius Anderson's lobbying firm, Platinum Advisors. So you've got these, these three guys... Plus, other people that are on a little bit more on the periphery, like you know Mike Maguire, Senator Mike Maguire, uh, people that have made their careers sucking up to PG and E and other powers that be, uh, and they managed to leverage their political connections. To make money for themselves and their friends in ways that the public hardly ever sees, because, like I said, the same people that are doing that are publishing the newspapers that are supposed to report on these things. Mm-hmm. The Bellingham and Pacific Center are the only non corporate, non Darius Anderson owned newspapers pretty much in the entire North Bay, you know, or maybe even in Northern California almost. So, you know, digging into this uh, requires an, an tremendous amount of attention to detail. There was like thousands of pages of emails and contracts and, you know, stuff that would make your eyes glaze over to read. And, you know, uh, Will dug in and, and he did that reading and pulled up the essential facts, which I that the two owners of the Press Democrat, who are longtime business partners, collaborated with smart um, and held up the process of permitting this, I think, 300, 164 apartment uh, complex uh, right behind Hunt and Barron's along our tidal slew here. They held up that process of permitting it for like at least 18 months while they jacked up the price for this useless, stupid piece of rotting rail. I mean, it's really quite incredible that the property... Uh, which was foreclosed on by Property Bank, at a time when Doug Bosco was on the board of directors of Property Property Bank and subsequently helped negotiate all all these deals, um, that this little piece of of rotting, you know, um, several hundred pounds of rail was worth more than the property because they could not get permitted unless Smart sold its rights to that rail uh, to Spanos and And Bosco's, uh, uh, well, and and the North Coast Rail uh, Authority sold its rights, which were tied up with Bosco's bottom line. Uh, The two, his company, Northwest Pacific Railroad, and the North Coast Railroad Authority, are intertwined in such a way financially; they're almost the same company, and they're run by by him. Uh, So, you know, it's quite remarkable that behind the scenes and largely out of the public view, that. The um, price of developing what includes affordable housing in our town, which so desperately needs it, was delayed while the price of construction kept going up and up and up because these guys were determined to, you know, I won't say the word blackmail, but there must be some kind of metaphorical equivalent to that, which is not quite so uh, actionable, uh, But they used their positions to make sure that they maximized uh, the price that was paid to Smart and the price that was paid to um, Bosco's uh, kind of um, little network of, of companies. Um, so that's how things work in this country. This is, I don't think, you know, an investigative reporter who's covered lots of national issues. This is not unusual. Uh, and it's so arcane and so in the weeds that it's really hard to see. And that's where, you know, I give kudos to um, Will and to our publishers at the, at the North Bay Bohemian and the Pacific Sun for um, the wherewithal to, to take the time to to do this, this sort of reporting. Because it's really unusual reporting, and um, it reveals... Uh, the details that people need to see who's actually running this town and running this county, and it's not a pretty picture.
1: Well, you know, I've, being in politics in this town, I can assure you, there is so much in the background of who you put on our city councils to get their projects through. I mean, there's just, in my opinion, it's it's real corruption. And and the uh, Argus Courier, which is part of the Sonoma Media Press Democrat, which owns all the papers in the county their publisher, editor, whoever he was at the time, John Burns, he was specifically hired for this job. And he was, in the article, he was part of the connection, of connecting um, Bosco and others, Spanos, to City Hall. And, And, yes, he was, and he's still writing for this newspaper. And then at the same time, he'll go ahead and he'll write an article and then he'll turn around and twist it, and and backstab the city council for something that he was behind. And uh, this is continuing you
3: know, developer-run uh, institution, which does have some pushback now on the council thing. You know, thank goodness. And you know, that's not to say that development is a bad thing. Development can be a very good thing.
1: Absolutely. What's really
3: interesting about it though is. It's who does it serve? Who does it really serve? Who's really getting rich on it? And, you know, San Francisco is undergoing a profound um, uh, revelation, a self-revelation right now with the indictments of Muhammad Nuru and, and Walter Wong and most of the almost the entire planning department. Uh, As a reporter in San Francisco for many years, I knew about this and I wrote about it. I knew these people, what they were doing. Uh, uh, But it wasn't until the FBI came in and and, um, had people wear wires and stuff that the Chronicle was willing to write about it. And so what we're seeing going on in the corruption in the Palace of Justice, as it were, in the planning department, uh, in City Hall, in San Francisco, there's no reason to believe that the same same sort of thing is not happening here in Petaluma and in Sonoma County and in Healdsburg and Windsor and elsewhere, you know. I mean, we look at these politicians, and they smile and say the right things, and then we go about our way, and we don't worry about it. just, you know, thinking, well, at least so-and-so is in charge, you know. They can work through the nitty-gritty. But it's working through the nitty-gritty where the bad stuff happens, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that was, you know, part of the article, you know, as I'm reading. You know, we got to the city manager, but who at staff followed through shutting that project down, spanned project down? You know there it's just so much deeper, um like you're saying, um to Peter, I mean, this is just like the this is the surface, but I want to actually know more what really happened at City Hall, and I don't wanna hear that oh that was a few years ago, and we have new management now, mm-hmm. it still right. continues happening, and right. I like to see some honesty, and I'm not getting that,
2: sure, yeah, but- yeah. um. Yeah, just to just to kind of highlight that point, I think um, I don't know. I mean, so this Thanos property is 184 units of uh, market rate housing, I believe, and they actually just paid in six hundred thousand dollars to the affordable housing slush um, fund. Um, so I believe Petaluma, and you probably know this better than me, but they're they're about three hundred percent over there required market-rate housing and about 15 to 20 percent of their low-income housing. Um, So this does sort of tie into those overall development questions. Um, And in terms of John Burns's role in this, yeah, I have an email in the article that I obtained uh, through a public architect request that essentially shows him introducing Darius Anderson to the then uh, city manager, John Brown, basically saying, hey, I'm introducing you to Darius Anderson in his role as a smart lobbyist. Um, I didn't dig any further than that in terms of, you know, what that call resulted in and so forth. I think what's, what is apparent, though, is that, uh, you know, Darius Anderson's firm was lobbying for smart for five years. Um, and... The as far as I've seen of uh, the Sonoma media investments never disclosed that in their coverage of smart um, you know and they do a fair amount of coverage of smart because it's a you know um, interesting topic and development issue but um, you know the the thing I close on in the article is that uh, they actually ended up disclosing uh, that Darius Anderson was a smart lobbyist because um You know, Molly Gallagher-Flatter spent $1.6 million or so opposing uh, Measure I, the sales tax renewal, for SMART, um, the measure in early 2020. So, you know, the the No One Measure I campaign sends out this mailer that says, you know, Darius is a SMART lobbyist. Did this impact the the judgment of uh, the Press Democrat's editorial board? And then, uh, you know, this probably went out to maybe tens of thousands of homes. Uh, not really a way of knowing, but um, it definitely caught people's attention. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, the Press Democrats' editorial board runs um, a piece on February 2020 saying basically, well, yeah, he was a lobbyist, um, but, you know, that didn't impact our judgment, and actually we supported freight rail all these years um, or passenger rail rather um, but you know I, I dug up a document which shows that Anderson uh, signed a piece of paper on February 20th 2020 the same day the editorial ran basically ending his relationship as a lobbyist for smart um, so you know this is not how you want to get your information right or, or at least I don't uh, is is a, a mailer in a, a aggressive campaign. Um, you know, it really should be the job of a newspaper to at least disclose that, you know, there is this relationship going on and, uh, you know, even if you're not going to dig into it, at least uh, let readers know about it. Um, Actually, it's it,
3: the, in my opinion, it's the job of the people that own newspapers not to engage in shenanigans like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, incredible conflict of interest in terms of journalistic ethics. We identified conflicts of interest in terms of contractual ethics with Garius's contract with Smart and what he was engaged in. You know, And same thing goes with Bosto and, and uh, his duties to the public and the taxpayer uh, uh, to use all this taxpayer money in a way that would actually increase um, our, the availability of, of freighting, uh, which is not what happened. It mostly went into the, the pockets of other you know of private entities it, it appears um, but actually only you like shouldn't we have newspapers that actually are in, engaged in journalism not in political lobbying and real estate development and shenanigans
1: when Rick Re- green came in he, they were going to do more investigative reporting but uh, you know as, as I as I read you know had been reading the Argus and the press Democrats since your article came out they have not Blinked an eye that they feel as though that they need to redirect. They still have John Burns writing um, op-eds for the press for the Argus Courier, and then a few weeks ago on redistricting, there was an um, op-ed from um, Eric Conan Schofer, who was a former supervisor, who's connected to Bosco and Anderson in the newspaper, and so he does this op-ed, and two days later, which. I'm not surprised, the, op, the editorial in the Press-Democrat supported everything that Conan Schoeper had said. So it's like, okay, Conan Schoeper, you go ahead and write this op-ed, and we're going to go ahead and do an editorial in two days supporting you. So they have not even blinked an eye or wanted to redirect after this information. Incredible investigative reporting that you did, Will, and Peter, um, working with Will. I mean, it was it, it's very important information, but they don't care.
3: Well, you know, a couple of years ago, Will and I did the charity case um, investigation in the in the Bohemian, showing that Anderson had, right after the 2017 fires, incorporated a nonprofit called Rebuild North Bay, which was essentially uh, subsequently used uh, to lobby uh, for getting funds for, you know. Um, entities that were not involved in helping the victims of the fires. Uh, and it was pretty disgraceful. And one of the things that was most disgraceful about it was we were able to show the depressed Democrat, like every week for like a year and a half or more, was like talking about how wonderful this rebuild North Bay organization was, you know. Uh, and they would, they would disclose that Darius Anderson was involved with it. But that was just publicity for him, making him look like a good guy, you know. Meet, but it took us to, to, to expose that uh, Rebuild North Bay was up to, to not very much good, that they were pretty useless in terms of uh, helping victims of fires. But they were taking people like Harry Hensel, the uh, the auto magnet here, and, and Michael Mundavi, the wine magnet, to Washington, D.C., to meet with Trump's mm-hmm. chief of staff on various business issues and things like that. You know, it was pretty disgusting. Um, but, you know, after that came out, you know, Darius actually – Got himself hired as the lobbyist for the California News Publishers Association, which is the trade group that all the newspapers in California belong to. Uh, They they use a a kind of um, the synergy to have uh, advertising um, that that appears in all the different newspapers and 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 um, their interests in promoting um, Chamber of Commerce type of. Of politics, which is what all these newspapers are, are basically chamber of commerce newsletters, but he is now the lobbyist for this group. This year alone, he's been paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to lobby for the for the California Newspaper Publishers Association, I guess in Sacramento. Now, I think we should look into and see exactly what he's been lobbying for because I'm sure it's not in the public interest. You know, I mean, just to, to let you know. Um, Funding Advisors is one of the only lobbying groups in the state of California that has uh, a mix of private corporate clients and public agencies. It's got like at least 20 public agencies and as many uh, private clients as that. And because it has public agencies as clients, um, the records of their communications and business dealings are public. So a couple years ago, we put in a public records request for um, all the contracts and emails between Platinum Advisors and 20 of these agencies, which were like BART, Napa Transit, AC Transit, Golden Gate, the city of San Diego, the county of San Bernardino, it goes on and on and on, right? And so we've got tens of thousands of pages of public records now. There are contracts with Platinum Advisors, there are invoices, there are emails, and it goes on and on and on. And what it shows is that these lobbying groups, of which Platinum Advisors is probably the biggest and the most powerful in, in California, are running entire city governments. They're basically running the government of San Diego, the the, the, the county government of, of, of San Bernardino. It goes, uh, it goes on, you know, and on and on. Now, to make it even more uh, egregious, the uh, governor, what's his name, Jerry Brown, appointed his pal Darius Anderson to the Board of Governors of the California Community Colleges Association, which has billions of dollars in contracts every year to run our community colleges, which are, you know, basically among the best in the nation, at least until recently. So what is it, you know, we kept an eye on that. What is it that Darius does, the first thing, he gets this powerful position. He's a lobbyist, he's a real estate investor and a newspaper owner. He's now on uh, a public entity that is entrusted with billions of dollars uh, to educate uh, people that are not going to be going to your Ivy League schools here in, in our beautiful state he he gets himself put in charge of creating a new community college, an online community college that doesn 't have a building and we 've got like all the invoices and and uh, financial information on that. It was just a big cluster f. Because what they were doing was they were just going out to lunch. They were spending money on software. They weren't getting anything done whatsoever. And it got so, and it was, was feathered bedded with the you know, sons and daughters of politically powerful people who got jobs there. And it goes on and on and on. Darius is in charge of it, basically. And it got so bad that the California state legislature had shut it down. They put it on life support. A great idea has been completely and utterly destroyed by uh, the leadership. Of a political lobbyist, real estate investor, newspaper owner, who right. had no business being appointed to a public entity like the College Community uh, Board of Governors.
1: Well, it sounds like the Trump College. He yeah, there's not a whole lot
3: of uh, space between Trump and Gary Sanderson. No, there isn't. As we reported, as will reported in the article. He's one of the major fundraisers for Kevin McAr- McArthur.
1: Exactly.
3: He's right. right. And, you know, the right. a long speech last night of the Republicans in, in the House of Representatives who's against, like, the health and well-being of, of human life and, and other forms of life on our planet. And, you know, Darius Anderson is his best friend. He takes he took Farad, uh, what's his name, the head of SMART, to a bunch of fundraisers for Kevin McCarthy and bragged about being, a, being you know, one of Kevin's uh, major fundraisers. So here in a state where Darius made his, his bones, being an aide to Governor Gray Davis and and powering around with Willie Brown and, you know, uh, uh, working for Kamala and working for Gavin and working for all this, you know, nested people uh, even that are Democrats, uh, he's playing both sides of the aisle. You know, when the Republicans are in power, you know, uh, he played play that side because it's all about the green with Darius.
1: But who does he really vote for? And I can't imagine that it's progressives or even...
3: I don't know, but I will tell you that the state of New York has sanctioned Mr. Anderson. He's not allowed to engage in securities businesses there anymore because of a pay-to-play scheme. He got caught in with some groups from um, uh, Los Angeles a few years ago, and he's also in trouble in New Mexico. I mean, pretty much everything he touches uh, has a a whiff around it that, you know, um, would remind you more of um, an abattoir than a uh, beauty parlor.
1: And yet he owns the newspaper that is, um, you know, making sure that this information does not get out. And he owns the politicians. And he the Exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> wasn't was Jerry Brown connected with um, Bosco? I mean, there was a connection. Oh, yeah. With all of them. Go ahead. Yeah, Bosco
2: still does fundraising um, and has been on various state commissions
3: and, uh,
1: yeah. Well, you know, they're, um, last week when we were talking with David Keller, they're saying that they're, they don't see any connection between the coal train and Bosco and Darius Anderson. But they were talking about, which was interesting, instead of going up to Eureka, using the skunk line train, which goes to Willits, and then going out to the coast in that direction. And I don't know if they were talking about building a harbor, you know, for the coal train. I know there's a group um, out on the coast that is opposing this. But I'm not convinced that they're not behind this. Well,
3: what they're building up there, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, is uh, a, it sounds like a pretty good idea. It's a hiking and biking path along the old mm. uh, right-of-way, right, the uh, right of way, right? through the coast. Right. And Mike McGuire's uh, championing that, you know. And, and in one sense, that's probably a way of dealing out Bosco's operation. Uh, in another sense, it could actually be down to the, the public good, which would be, you know, a, a nice change. Sure. Yeah. If it's
2: completed, it sounds great. I don't know. I, I'm sure you covered this in more detail last week. Um, it doesn't seem very feasible to reopen the Eel River Canyon because um,
1: this would not be the Eel River. This, mm-hmm. the River. this is not the Eel River. This would actually just be going to Willits, mm-hmm. and then from Willits, the Skunk Train goes to the coast, mm-hmm. and so it's a it's a different line. So it would not um, connect at all. Mm-hmm. With um, the Eel River. It would bypass it complete- well before you get to the Eel River. Um, so yeah. you could, yeah. Well, that,
3: that whole Eel uh, River uh, canyon just got turned into a, a, a kind of quasi public entity, right? The Dean Witter people sold uh, their stuff to um, one of these cons- land conservation places, so that could be <laughs> a good thing. The question is, you know. Uh, if Bosco and NCRA have um, right of ways on that track, there, you know, I, I guess we should look in and see if they they held up this land trust and got a piece of that for themselves, or what's up with how that's going to be. Made. Well,
2: well that's sort of in the slow process of transitioning um, into you know up, up away from having the freight lines and and building the, the trail, and it's a bit of a complicated process because of all the federal. Regulations um, since, since rail is, is really federally regulated uh, for the most part, that's kind of a it's, it's going back and forth um, at that level. But,
1: but yeah, what about in Shellville, you know, where they have the oil tankers that are just sitting there, and then you know, down um, on Highway 101 by the dumps, a dump yeah. area, yeah, a lot of have lines there. So, how do those lines play into this picture? Yeah, I can, I
2: can talk about this. And this isn't in my current articles, but it um, was discussed at a SMART meeting on Wednesday. Um, essentially, what's happened, I cover in the articles, they, Bosco uh, received money from the state to basically hand over his freight, the NWP's freight rights to SMART um, in Sonoma and Marin counties. So, that happened, um, that has been rolling out over the past couple of years, Um, and essentially Smart is now taking over freight service, Um, they're traditionally known as a passenger rail service, now they're going to be running freight, Um, this has been like a really long running thing behind the scenes, Um, Bosco especially has sort of, and his company have, have been saying that freight is going to be this really lucrative thing. Um, and from the public's perspective, it's really hard to tell, because whenever he's asked about it, he'll sort of say, oh, he said last May we have revenues of $2 million a year. Um, but as I reported in the article, then Smart hired a contractor to actually do an independent look at this, and they said, uh, actually, it looks like they make more like $1.2 million a year. Um, And then what was kind of, you know, another case of a lack of transparency at the SMART board meeting on Wednesday is that um, even though this contractor completed that report in August, um, SMART staff created a PowerPoint, and the PowerPoint actually quotes revenue estimates directly from an NWP co-representative. Um, and those estimates are closer to 1.7 million. So we now have all these numbers running, <laughs> running around. Uh, and it's very unclear if anybody has actually, you know, NWP has actually allowed anyone at SMART to see their books and, you know, actually say, here's how much money they made. Apparently there's been a dip because of the COVID pandemic, but, you know, if, if this is something smart wants to take over, they really need to, uh, at some point, um, understand how much money it's going to take and, and not just um, trust the spoken word of, uh, of NWP. Uh, well, yeah,
3: isn't there uh, a, um, uh, a project uh, that is on the table? for Smart to subcontract to Bosco's NWP to take over and run the freight for Smart?
2: Right, so that was what was under discussion on Wednesday. Um, It was an informational meeting, but the board really leaned in the direction of taking it in-house. So to circle back to to what Janice was saying about the liquid petroleum storage, um, starting in 2016, NWP actually started... Storing this liquid petroleum gas, which is potentially explosive, but maybe not the most dangerous thing to store. But it does, it has upset a lot of uh, residents of Sonoma Valley because it's stored in Shellville. Um, and on Wednesday, the, the PowerPoint said that actually NWP makes about a quarter of its uh, revenue from storing this stuff. Um, basically, they store it in Shellville and then they cart it off to Bay Area refineries. Um, it's basically excess storage for the refineries.
3: But um, Let well, me ask you one question, Will. Yeah. Is it true that NWP is not still paying rent to the rail authority for, for its use of these tracks? Right. Yes.
2: I'll, I'll get there. Essentially, the smart board decided on Wednesday was Leading in the direction of getting rid of LPG storage, which would be apparently about $500,000 less of revenue. Um, and then, yes, all, all the while, I think they're going to try to transition into public, um, owner, publicly managing the, the freight system in about six months to a year. But all the while, yes, uh, Bosco told me that he's not paying rent to Smart during this whole time. So, if indeed he's making, you know, a million and a half dollars in revenue, um, the longer Smart's takeover rolls on, basically, the longer Bosco's company is making
3: money. Let me ask you a question, Will. Why is Smart so dumb?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of this, you know, with the free takeover, it feels like they're doing it backwards, right? They... They bought it with the state money, and now they're figuring out whether it'll make any money.
1: Um, (laughs) Let's will go back on that a little bit. When SPART was being proposed, um, it was all about freight, and it was all about getting trucks off the road, and that was the big discussion. And then, by the time the ballot measure came, nothing about freight, and it was only about passenger rail. And... I was at a dinner party the other night, and my cousin, Neil Fishman, you know, he'll always go after me on things for Billy Fishman, and Neil goes, wait, I want to say, 15 years ago, Jana said, this is not about passenger, this is about freight, and so mm-hmm. I just want to give a shout out to Neil for recognizing that and remembering that, because I remember specifically the discussions going on when Neo Smart was being created, and it was all about freight, and then all of a sudden, nothing about freight was discussed. Well, yeah, and the smart board has now
2: pivoted back to saying, oh, yes, we're very friendly, but freight, and, you know, as Peter said, it could take trucks off the road. Um, they just repeatedly have not managed to prove that um, there's a big market base for it at the moment. Um, so, I mean, maybe it will pan out, but it's, you know... Uh, it it's, uh, goes, goes around and around, um, so yeah, they've sort of pivoted back to being freight-friendly, but now they've gotten rid of the LPG, and uh, which, so essentially it looks like they might be losing money on the freight venture for, you know, quite a while, um, in which case they have to find money from somewhere else, but they can't use the sales tax money because the bond, uh, sales tax measure is only for passenger rail. Right. So the whole thing is a complete mess. Um,
1: that was that was the whole thing when you know you read the um, the ballot measure. It was only about um, passenger mm-hmm. and freight. It was completely taken out of that. And so here we are, this many years later, okay. and we have probably two hundred percent more truck traffic on our local and roads and freeways everywhere in the state, everywhere in the probably United States. And yet, if we had really looked at this when SMART was being created, it would be much better for the environment. But, you know, but here we are now in a lot of traffic.
3: The horror of the whole thing, Janice, though, is that, you know, right after World War II, before World War II... Uh, railroads were everywhere in the United States. This railroad, these tracks had been there for uh, over a hundred years and and they were well servicing the people of Northern California. And then after World War II, the same thing happened here it happened all over the country was the automobile lobbyists convinced the government to tear up all the railroad tracks and build these super highways for trucking, right? Mm -hmm. And now we've got some climate blowback. People are talking about rail. So we go back to these rails. I mean, I'm sorry, but our system of governance is just like uh, uh, a blind um, uh, self looking ice cream cone as they call it. I mean, you know what does it actually do? It just seems to benefit those who have you know connections on the inside of it and it doesn't care about normal people at all. And, as far as I'm concerned, that goes for Democrats and Republicans, although Republicans are, are particularly poisonous at this point in history. But, you know, I don't see the Democrats as doing much better. I mean, we need to make all – you know, all, all, all news is local, and all politics is fundamentally local, and we forget that. We actually have more power than we know.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I just look at the local politics because it's no different in local versus, you know, state or national. It's all the same. But, you know, in our community, Bill White has basically been running everything through Mike Healy for, you know, since 1998. And yeah, so... That's your memory. Who is Bill White now? Bill White is Basin Street.
3: Basin Street, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. You, you know that well. I know, that and, well. You, know really, you know, And all the entities behind that. And, but government has been, in Petaluma, run by the Chamber of Commerce, the newspaper, Mike Healy, and um, developers. And you yeah, so what, oh, what is that?
3: I don't really understand Mike Healy very well. I was up in his office a few years ago trying to figure out what he was doing. I was interviewing him. I was trying to figure out how he actually makes his living, you know. Because he doesn't seem to have any clients, really, you know. Uh, <laughs> and yet he's, he's got this like, scamps, and people seem to like him. Why do they like him? He seems to me like a, some kind of, like, dead rabbit or something.
1: Oh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, well, the newspapers have been promoting him for years, There's a time when if you read information enough and you listen enough, you can tell who really made sure that that article got in the paper. His language was in editorials all the time and in in articles. I mean, you could just tell it was his direction, and he was very close with John Burns.
3: And wasn't his dad the mayor of Santa Rosa?
1: His dad was the mayor of Santa Rosa, and he was the one that really... For the um, shopping mall in downtown, which divided, you know, old town to the new to the newer part of the town, mm-hmm. and so now we're trying to figure out how we actually bring those two together. And Mike has done the same in this town; he's really divided this community, and um, and he's very quiet about it. And the public keeps voting him in. So, and then reflecting oh, blame, blame and onto others.
3: We need to pay some more attention to Mr. Healy and and find out who he really is, don't you think?
1: I that would be great. I'd
3: really up to him. He's got, he's got his office in the Masonic building. I don't know if there's a tie there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not sure there's a tie there. But, I mean, I would like to know what his connection is with the Spanos group, Bosco, and City Hall, and John Burns. I mean, you know, are there emails with Mike Healy connected to it?
3: No, he's pretty careful, you know. Yes, he is. It's actually kind of sad and pathetic. It may be that he doesn't actually get any like under-the-table money or any bribes or anything like that. He may just be doing it because he wants to like keep his little position as the dead rabbit at it City Hall.
1: No, I don't. I do not think that he's being paid off. Um, yeah.
3: But I think he, he just, just likes the power. to be dishonest, I think.
1: Well, let's hope. Um... Let's hope there's some change in the next election.
3: He's oh, not a bright light bulb, well, face it. It's true. <laughs> he's,
1: he's done fairly well. You know, Riverfront is my big, you know, issue project. You know, you go ahead and you approve a project with a single lane in and a single lane out for all these houses, and and then a hotel, and it's right next to Cots. And you know, I mean, he he's the one to push that through just like pushing through, you know, other major projects um, for Bill White.
3: What's happening with Rainier these days?
1: <laughs> I do want to say that many years ago, Bill White told me, he goes, oh, James, Rainier's never going to be built. It's basically just a placeholder. So, we, you know, so developers can develop and say we have traffic mitigation, and he assured me it was never going to be built. And this was like in 2001 he told me that. Yeah. So I mean. It was. It's always been a joke. It was never going to be paid for by developers. And I have to say, Mark Friedman, who owns the Safeway Shopping Center, he had an initiative on the ballot saying, who pays? And of course mm-hmm. it failed. Um, but, you know, he was asking who was going to pay for this. And the city had no means to pay for it. And they, the, basically the Rainier lie has lived on for 40, 50 years. But it's not being talked about it a lot anymore. Right?
3: I learned about it some years ago when I was talking to the highway people at the <laughs> state level, Caltrans. They said that one of the problems was that um, there needs to be a line of sight, and putting uh, a, a bridge at Rainier uh, would complicate the line of sight and, and fall foul of. of the no, um, regulations governing the way highways are made, but now there does seem to be a bridge there. Do you know Let me
1: tell down? you the story behind that bridge. That was um, actually Mayor Glass and Van Torleat were very much a part of that in the background. And there was a J.P. Morgan loan that the city got for it was fourteen oh, point some odd million development. Yeah. A- about yes. And then the city, w- without any public um, discussion, that was done in house. And what's interesting is the Deer Creek Shopping Center, which now um, is going to be slated for, quote, apartments. I was talking to a, up at SCPA, Sonoma County Transportation Authority, executive director, about this. And I'm just telling her, I mean, there's going to be a noise problem here. And she could not believe that they got the, that change on the property from, um, from um, retail to apartments without any consideration of the noise and the pollution for that overcrossing. And I live in that area. For over two years, my neighborhood was filled with dust because of that project. The noise level has gone up tremendously. And so it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, on Democrat, Republican, or in between. You still make bad decisions because you don't include the public. Where are we going to
3: make housing there? In the dog park or
1: someplace? Well, the dog park. That whole, all, all those pads that are left over are supposed to be for housing, but never a discussion.
3: But to your efforts and others, those were actually, you know, it's not the worst-looking shopping center in the world. You know, I mean, right. there's some nice exactly. elements to it. So yes. the nicety of it is going to go away now?
1: Um, well, I mean, I don't think that having housing there is a bad thing. But the problem is that when the project was being developed, it should have been developed at that time because you would have... De- de- you would have made more grid streets instead of all these curves and dangerous. It's kind of dangerous to walk around there, you know, in some way. And it's because of the way it was designed, where East Petaluma could have actually had a true a destination um, for, um, you know, restaurants and and, it could, and and with housing. You know, people, it would have been vibrant. But they decided to play the political role and said it's all about freedmen's. And we have to make sure Friedman's comes to town. It had nothing to do with Friedman's. But just like any other fight, they find what the push point is that's going to go ahead and it. Freedman's is them so up.
3: funny, you know. I always get seduced by their, like, living wall. I go in, I buy something, I take it home, it doesn't work, and I have to take it back. I mean, I don't know if I actually have anything from Friedman's And I've bought a lot there. <laughs>
1: Friedman's is the hardest place to take anything back from. Always keep your tag. Because they keep, yeah, they don't keep that information with your credit card when you charge, <laughs> and then they give you ten cents on the dollar if you need to return some. But that's another story.
0: <laughs> so, um, so we have about five minutes left. Um, have we have we covered everything that we set out to cover today? <laughs> and more. And more. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just to tie it back to Smart
2: a bit, I think a lot of the real estate stuff you're talking about is uh, Smart does play a role. Um, you know, there's the second station in Petaluma. There was a big fight over that. Um, and that even ended up looping in a property, you know, right in the center of downtown Petaluma. Um, so I think Petaluma is particularly impacted. I know Santa Rosa also, Smart sold off a lot of property there to developers. Um, So I think there's an interesting element there, too, for, you know, people to keep an eye on is, uh, you know, how how that stuff goes down. Didn't Bosco
3: have an interest in the um, train station in central Petaluma as well?
2: I'm not sure about the Petaluma one. Um... There was some, NCRA may have had uh, historic uh, easements and things like that. There are other Fosco. Spurs. That's,
1: that's correct. Yeah, yeah, there's
2: a lot of spurs through Petaluma. Um, and I just noticed in a Petal- uh, Press Democrat article the other day that Fosco was uh, advising a um, developer on rail easement issues on a property in Santa Rosa. Um, so I don't know what that was about, but I uh, so that one a couple a couple years ago. So the whole thing is, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Um, whether it ever all comes out is, you know, doubtful. But, uh, but read, you know, oh, look, we try our look,
3: Stop listening public to read The Bohemian and The Pacific Sun and stop giving Darius Anderson's Press Democrat money. You can actually uh, go online and click on an article and immediately save it and then paste it into Word and you can read it. You don't have to give them any money.
1: Yeah. You know, after um, reading the paper this week and seeing John Burns is, you know, prominent once again and that there is no mention of The Bohemian and what you, your um, excellent investigative reporting. Yeah, I'm just ready just to pull the plug on the news. Don't give any more money. Look, I know. Work about them. <laughs> I know.
3: You know, we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll, the Bohemian will pick up the slack. I think we should be a daily anyway.
1: I think you should be too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we are uh, KPCA 103.3 FM, and we've been speaking with Will Carruthers and Peter Byrne, who are journalists for the North Bay Bohemian and the Pacific Sun. I want to thank you both for being here today and it just feels like we barely touched the surface on on all of this and we may have to have you back for a follow-up on this.
3: Anytime. As long as, you know, I'm still walking I'll be uh, happy to um, spill the beans.
0: Yeah.
1: It'd be great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I, I just really want to thank you for your excellent reporting. Yes. Um, just very impressed um, and I do believe that this is Pulitzer you know, material, Will. Thanks. <laughs> good job. Yes. Good job. It's an excellent um, this article, and I'm looking forward to the to more. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. You've been listening to Inside Petaluma. I'm Cindy Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Janice Peter-Thompson. We're here every Friday from 11 to noon, bringing you all the good stuff, and we will be back again next Friday. Um, I can't remember who we have next Friday.
1: But
0: you get Mr. Ely on and ask him a few questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd like to do that. Yes. We will look we'll, we'll get him an invite. Okay, so we will see you all next week. Uh, again, you've been listening to Inside Petaluma on KPCA 103.3 FM right here in Petaluma. And we also stream live at kpca.fm uh, to listen to any of our past shows. You can visit the archives page at InsidePetaluma.com .com, and you can also access podcasts at the uh, same site. So, again, thank you, everybody, for being here. Janice, I'll see you next week. It was, and have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. Oh, no, good, good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Thanksgiving yeah. will be coming. Yeah. Good Before our next yeah. show. Yeah. Good. All right, enjoy. Oh, I remembered. We have Pedro Toledo on. That's right. That's
1: right. We'll I and mean, then Ken Sabano will be on. Yes,
0: Got yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see everybody. Have a good weekend. Enjoy your holiday. Take care. We'll see you next time.
1: All right. Bye, see Bye. next week.